You talking to me? Welcome. Kind of a big week at the Multiplex this week. Got four new ones and a couple streaming and on video this week. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And uh, the first one we start with, I guess, a return to the good old disaster movie genre. And it is a good one. And it's called Deep Water Horizon. We are big company. Millions of moving parts. We all work very hard to ensure those moving parts are functioning as a means to very profit win for all of us. Are you seeing this? Everybody off the- Mike, what is that? Is everything okay? Uh, explosion tragedy that happened. Yeah, I remember this all over the news. Remember how we they had that camera that yeah. the oil just kept yeah. spilling. Well, it all started. It was with the biggest U.S. oil disaster in history. It was 2010. The Deepwater Horizon oil rig exploded off the coast of Louisiana, and it killed 11 people of the 126, I think, on board. And uh, the director of this is Peter Berg. And he started out as an actor. Since then, he's made a pretty good name for himself as a director. He did Friday Night Lights. He did The Kingdom. Then he did uh, Lone Survivor. He's done some bad, too. He's done some bad, too. Uh, Lone Survivor, of course, was just a few years ago with Mark Wahlberg, who stars in this as well. But even when his films haven't been great, he's shown that he's a a good technician. He can get get the nuts and bolts down right, even when the movies aren't that great as a whole. And this one kind of takes the approach of Lone Survivor, but gets it even better. In, in Lone Survivor, which was a solid movie, it was. you could really tell his, his number one goal was to give proper respect to the heroes involved in that true life um, tragedy, that true life uh, event. And he wants to do that with this movie as well. It's just better with the humanity part. I think the script is better. The right, writers, right, the writers better. really do a good job because one of the hardest things to do in a movie like this, you've got multiple people involved, multiple characters, and these are real people right. that went through this. So you want you to want to care. do them justice. You want to do them justice and you want to care about. You want the right. audience to care about them. And and the writers and Berg do a great job in setting that up. Early on, they just give quick little vignettes, little crisscrossing snapshots about the the daily lives of these people that are heading to the rig, just just things that are happening in the hours before they head out to work. And it really works. It, it's quick. It moves. You know, they, they it's economical, I think. It gets a lot out of uh, the words that they do put put down on the paper. And the, the ensemble acting is good. Wahlberg is as good as he's ever been. Wow. And uh, so they get you to care about these people uh, with minimal screen time. And so that really ensures that the later events are going to resonate with you. And it's, I felt it was a kind of a throwback to, like I said, like 70s disaster movies, because especially the very beginning, it shows, goes all the way down to the bottom of the floor of, of uh, the sea underwater, and it just shows one little air bubble escaping from the platform there, which you just know without being told, uh-oh. Yeah, that can't be good. And it reminded me of the towering inferno, just one little spark, you know, and you know what's coming. And uh, it builds from there to a spectacular set of explosions that puts everybody's life in danger and does take some lives. And it's staged in spectacular fashion with what appears to me minimal use of CGI, which right. makes it all the more right, right, right. authentic. It's tense. 
uh, and it's it's really compelling, and it's just it was to me. I don't know, maybe I didn't shouldn't have been that surprised, but I was surprised at how compelling this movie was, and how tense and exciting and well acted. And I think this is probably Peter Berg's best movie. Uh, Friday Night Lights was good. The was? Kingdom was good as well. Yes. So, but it's up there. This one's up there, and really a, a just a return to good old tense disaster movie right. filmmaking, and especially when you think that this is a real event. And so it teaches you a little bit about that. And it also gets into the fact that it doesn't pull punches that uh, BP was uh, asleep at the switch here as far as right. safe, safety protocols. Absolutely. It really points some fingers and gets you up to date at the very end about what happens. So, yeah, I would recommend uh, Deepwater Horizon all around. It was well done. And that uh, has a good chance, I think, of leading the box office for the crop this week. But the next one is one that we've kind of had our eye on for a while. We like the filmmaker. Uh, we kind of like the style. It's called Miss. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Jake, right on time. Miss Peregrine, delighted to meet you. He's invisible. Of course. We're what's known in common parlance as peculiar. Because our abilities don't fit in the outside world. We live in places like this. Where no one can find us. I'm just ordinary. No, you're not. You were born to protect us. Promise me one thing. Look after them, Jake. I promise. There's a new world. Let me get this one was either going to be, you know, a grand slam or a complete failure. And to be honest with you, it kind of falls in between because. So the, you were wrong. I was. <laughs> Mark it down, George. It's uh, it's based on a young adult novel. Came out a couple of years ago. Very very popular, quirky book about um about an orphanage. It's not really an orphanage. You don't really know what happened to these kids' parents, but they're sort of let's say 1940 era X Men. That's okay, you know what I mean. They're they're mutant children. So it's and a little Harry Potter, little X-Men. It's exactly what it is. Maybe with a touch of Adam's family, because, of <laughs> course, Tim Burton is at the helm. And, you know uh, what that reminds me of? That reminds me of how movies tried to cash in on, on Twilight and on The Hunger Games. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's exactly true. I mean, this really, really is, if you think about it, just the X-Men, except that as opposed to having these children become superheroes— they, they live in what they call a loop. So uh, there is a, a matriarch for every little group of these children, and she can create a loop, which is a 24-hour circle that just repeats and repeats and repeats, and that's all it does. And there's also a group of peculiars who turned bad, and they're led by Sam Jackson, who's always sassy and fun. I mean, he just, he does, you know, he doesn't have a lot to work with, but he does a nice job with what he has. And these peculiars, wait for it, they want to eat the eyeballs of the good peculiars. And so it's, it's, I know, it's an interesting idea because for a very, very long time in this movie, it's wholesome and sweet and it's got this, it's set in 1943. It's modern day and then the, the boy, Asa Butterfield. Yeah, Hugo. Hugo. We oh, loved him so much as movie, Hugo. Yeah. So he's kind of, he's on a quest, you know, to, to his grandfather gave him clues and he, he steps into one of these loops. And then you're in 1943. For most of the movie, and the whole thing seems very wholesome in an almost bland way, until they bring up this platter of eyeballs. I'm like, "What's happening? Wow!" Mommy, I'm like, "Why I are know. they eating the eyeballs?" So you know, so I was. It, so it's another thing that's just unusual about the film is that you feel like it's 
maybe too boring but certainly safe enough for fairly young children until this eyeball thing happens and you're like no no this was a young adult novel you should be <laughs> you should be older than let's say the if you're squeamish about because you you see them eat eyeballs there's a platter of this i don't i know i'm 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 probably going overboard with this but i was quite surprised <laughs> by the graphic nature of the eyeball eating in this but movie but overall just bland yes i think the biggest problem with this film is that it's just not quite peculiar enough there's very little about it that makes it stand out from the crowd of other adolescent style, you know, um, odd kid films that that are were kind of, kind of rampant in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the only thing about it that is really very, very solid, aside from the look of it, because it does look good, is Eva Green, who plays Miss Peregrine. She's great. She's just great. She, she usually is. She carves out a very um, a kind of fascinating, layered uh, character in this matriarch, which who could have been, and I read this from another critic, just a sexy Dumbledore, and she's not. She she does a great job, but other than that, but I just think this surprisingly is, she keeps her clothes on. She does. She it's does. Not something she does <laughs> she too often. <laughs> but you know, Tim Burton seems sort of uh, exactly cut out for this film, and this is why I thought that it was either going to be great or it was going to be a complete failure because. I figured that either he would just be too Tim Burton about it or it would be just so perfect for him, kind of like Sweeney Todd was, you know, that he could really sink his teeth into it. And unfortunately, it's really neither. It just sort of sits there. We assume because you are Tim Burton, you can give us that Tim Burton feeling. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so really kind of bland for Miss Peregrine. Miss, so really rather bland for Miss Peregrine. And the latest from the, I guess what we could call the Disney division of inspiring sports movies <laughs> is out this week and it is called Queen of Katwe. Disney has Kids done a few of these. Solve problems. Anyway. The teaches us to make a plan. You didn't have a wall to hide behind. Use your minds. But you fall to pieces when your eyes and you will all find safety. You can see it moves ahead. Checkmate. 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 She won. You could be the best in all of Uganda. This year's gold medalist, Fiona Mute. Your children are blessed because they have a mother who never gave up on them. Disney has done a few of these with varying degrees of success, and this one qualifies as a sports movie. It's about chess, and it's about a very inspiring true life story. Yeah, and you know, they did The Rookie. I think this is the first time that they did one of these true-life sports-related films that was direct, it was aimed at children, really. Uh, and families, then, let's families, say. Families, yeah. And then a couple years ago, Feel they good did... family style. And we liked The Rookie. A couple years like ago, the they rookie. did The Million Dollar Arm. Did not, did not, in a very big way, did not like The Million Dollar Arm. Did, very patronizing. They did the one about cross-country with Kevin, Kevin Costner, Costner. And I forget. Mediocre. Yeah, yeah, it was fine, but, uh, but had some issues, as this one kind of does. It does, but I'm going to say this film, I think, is better than what they've done recently, and part of that is the cast, and part of that is that it is a fascinating story. It's about a little girl from just the just just abject poverty in Uganda who, um, who stumbles across a, a chess coach, right, it, from, a, from a, um, a faith-based sports, you know, um, outreach mission. And uh, and it turns out that she's a prodigy. She's just incredibly good at and it. And many of the other kids are good, too. Very but good. But she is, as you said, a prodigy. Right, among the best in the world. And it's a fascinating story. A lot of the cast, David Oyelowo plays the coach. And I think he's saddled with the biggest problem, which is wh- where the movie goes wrong is where it embraces 
the sports film, the underdog sports film cliches. It, it refuses to break free. And where that's the most evident is this idea of the put-upon, tortured, wholesome mentor coach and his completely one-dimensional supportive spouse character. That can't always be the case in a true story. There's no way right. that that's always exactly true. But those are good family values. Yes, they are. To take home. So, so we're going to sell them. Right. So that's really that's really unfortunate. On the other hand, Lupita Nyong'o, who plays uh, the who prodigy's plays, mother. Yes, she she is spectacular. As you know, what she just is. She simply is. She's a phenomenal talent. Yeah. If you forgot why she came out of nowhere and won the Oscar for Twelve Years a Slave, in a, a few you know years ago. a performance in a in a in a almost flawless movie. With some spectacular performances, she absolutely set herself apart. She was amazing in that movie, and she's really wonderful in this film, in a part that could have also been very one-dimensional and absolutely is not. And and the 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 whole cast of children, yeah, really really solid. And there are a couple of them that, again, I mean, they stuck out to me because I could see where in the writing this is a cliche character from any underdog sports film, and yet somehow this little kid turns it into something much more powerful. So. And it also looks great. Uh, Mira Nair, who did Monsoon Wedding and, and a lot of other really good, solid independent films, uh, is the director here. And she has a great eye. She also started off as a documentarian, so she also has sort of an ear for natural dialogue and authentic, I think, um, human interaction. And I think she brings that to this, too. And again, it's an incredible story. It's just that it's so... It sticks so close to that sports movie cliche, those those familiar tropes that it just sort of weighs on you. But that being said, we do have to give it definite props for the approach that it did not take. You are not kidding. So uh, the, the, the story itself began as a Sports Illustrated story that turned into a book, and it was written by a white male sports writer. And please, how many times have you seen the inspiring story of uh, a subject of color and the entire film is told from the point of view of the white male reporter who's learning the story as if we as an audience can't watch a movie unless it's through the eyes of a white man. I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how happy I am that this was an opportunity that they had and they didn't take. And one of the other reasons that it is exciting to me is because Mira Nair and the writer from this film worked together on a film a couple years ago called The Reluctant Fundamentalist, and that's exactly the approach they took. And we just saw that approach a few weeks ago with Hands of Stone, uh, the, mo- the movie about Roberto Duran, where they framed it through the eyes of the trainer, the old white trainer, right. Robert De Niro's Basically character. Basically the only white person yeah. in the film. So you're exactly right. Very, very much credit for, ta- for, not, for not taking that approach and realizing the better approach is this. So, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's a fine family film, but it just has, has a few issues. It does. It has a few issues, but it has some strong performances. And the last, the last new one this week, this is one that has really... We've been wondering about for I don't know how long. At least two years. Because we've been waiting forever. We love this cast, and it's called Masterminds. My name is David Gant. I always felt I was destined for a life of adventure. Then one day, I met Miss Kelly Campbell. What would you do with a million dollars? Kelly tells me you all work together over at Loomis. That strikes me as an incredible opportunity. You talk about robbing a bank. How hard can it be? You load up a truck, and you drive away. Jared has directed this film, Napoleon Dynamite. So even though uh, everything he's done since Napoleon Dynamite has middling to fair, I always, I always want to see whatever he has coming out. 
And like you said, we've been this one has been on the radar for it seems like five years. I know it hasn't been that long, but and and we look you look at the cast: Kristen Wiig, Zach Galifianakis, Jason Sudeikis, uh, Kate McKinnon, and you're like, okay, Leslie Jones, Leslie Jones. I want to see this, and right? It, they, and then the longer it got pushed back, it really started getting the stench of death. Yes, I thought, boy, is it probably would just go to video except for this cast. And the other thing, I'll tell you at the end. It immediately, I mean immediately, when it's over, goes to the blooper reel. That's never a good sign. That's usually another no, good sign that it, we know you haven't been laughing very much, so here's some laughs. That's right. We want you to leave the theater and remember that you did laugh. Yeah. Oh, and Owen Wilson's in it, too. Yeah. That's the other one. So, But you know what? It, it's such a, a hard movie to sum up because there were long stretches where I did not laugh. And then I laughed hard. It's so strange. <laughs> it's just a strange movie. It's based on a true story. It really is. And it's based on back in, two, in 1997, one of the largest or one of the largest bank heists in U.S. history. $17 million, $2 million of which is still unaccounted for, uh, was done. This inside <laughs> job by this guy that worked as an uh, armored car driver and some a couple of friends and it's just the most lunatic they're they're just a trailer park joe dirt kind of people you know that that are played out and 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 fleshed out to hilarious sometimes effect by this great cast yeah and they just characterize these people in such weird down to the clothes they wear of course zach galifianakis exactly. is gonna wear weird clothes their hairstyles just the faces they make, the weird things they do. It, it's very in keeping with Jared Hess, his, his strange way, his strange eye. Yeah. You know, uh, shots framed off center, just so everything is a little off kilter. Like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> you know, uh, but it, sometimes it works. It's just, it's one of those movies, I think, that if, if you go to see it, you will sit there and think, what? And I'm not laughing. And then all of a sudden you'll laugh and then, you, ro you won't really know, but then you know what? As time goes on, you're going to look back and think and laugh at something <laughs> and think about it. So I, this movie will probably bomb. I'm thinking it will bomb, and I'm thinking it's going to show up on cable in years, and people are going to go, you know what? That's crazy. It's, <laughs> it's so hard to describe, but I, it, I, it's certainly not as horrible as I thought it was going to be, and it had some moments where I laughed out loud, but it's, it's just weird. And, and a weird story that these people, if they were this stupid, uh, I mean, they got caught, but still, someone's got $2 million stashed somewhere. So, so that is Mastermind. Four big movies out at the uh, theater this weekend. And there's some stuff on video, a couple of which we like. Uh, the Shallows, another movie that was better than we thought it was going to be. Absolutely. Blake Lively, you know, plays, uh, she's a swimmer. She gets caught uh, in the, you know, in the water off a secret coast, and then this huge shark tries to hunt her down, and then she tries to MacGyver her way out of it. And um, it it's like equal parts girl power and eye candy. But you know what? It is. It is. It's more tense, and it's more well done than I expected it to be. And credit to Blake Lively. It's basically a one-man show, and she really carries it. All right. that Yeah, that is a surprise, and that's the shallows. Also, another one that kind of flew under the radar, but very good, is The Hunt for the Wilder People. Love this. So it's the same director who did what we do in the shadows and it's got that same wry comedic comedic sensibility and sam neill stars uh as uh sort of he doesn't want to be the um foster father 
uh, his wife dies and he's stuck with this kid and the kid runs away and he runs after him and he injures himself. And then the rest of like the the rest of the country thinks that he's kidnapped this boy. And then it's it's sweet and very funny and touching and very New Zealand. And I really, really enjoyed it. And the next one that's out on video this week is one that we fought. We're still fighting with our friends about uh, because so many people liked it and we didn't. And that is called The Neon Demon, the latest from, and I don't even know how you pronounce his name, Nicholas, Nicholas Winding Refn. He did um, Drive, which we love so much. Bronson. And he did Bronson. We love his stuff. We look forward to his stuff. This one for us just fell flat. It's, it's Elle Fanning, who we love. Absolutely And love. A, a story of a young girl getting involved, trying to be a, a high fashion model. And that world, that glitz and glamour and soulless world of L.A. And I just thought it fell flat. I think part of the problem is that no matter what he does, it, whether you like it or you don't like it, it's completely unique. It's very much his own style. And I think one of the reasons we didn't care for this is because not just the storyline, but the aesthetic as well, all felt very rehashed to us. Yeah, but it does feature um, somewhat of a cameo, a very small part by Keanu Reeves, and he does not suck. Which was amazing to us. <laughs> so, I literally wrote that in my notepad. Yeah. Keanu Reeves doesn't suck in this. So uh, those are the ones out, uh, the noteworthy titles out on video and streaming this week. Next week at the theater, we look forward to hopefully a couple of good ones. Girl on a Train, which is Emily Blunt off of, of a best-selling novel. Looking forward to that one. And also... Birth of a Nation. Can't tell you how much we're excited to see this film. Really looking forward to that. So that is next week, but a lot to choose from this week. And uh, and until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast, a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner.